Welcome to the second episode of 3D PME podcast by Materialize. I am Ali Reza Parandian, one of the founders of the business line Eyewear, and I am responsible for global business strategy and commercial activities here. In today's episode, we'll be diving into one of my favorite topics, design freedom looking at what this phrase really means for eyewear designers that are interested in using 3D printing. In particular, we'll be discussing how designers can fully leverage the opportunity to think about, to be different, work different with materials, colors, and functionality even. Helping me in this episode is one of my good friends and an ally in setting 3D printing for eyewear industry, Fabian Hoffman. The man needs little introduction, in my opinion. He is an eyewear designer, brand consultant, interior designer, architect, creative genius. Fabian, <laughs> would you, you would you much. like to introduce yourself? Well, you already did it. I mean, you just talked about everything that I'm doing professionally. And um, yeah, I'm pleased to be part of this uh, podcast series. Uh, so thank you very much for inviting me. So Fabian, let's get to it immediately. I think it's fair to say that um, you're regarded as one of the champions, at least by me, um, in the 3D printing of eyewear realm. Uh, but I don't think many know uh, that your love affair with the technology started already way back. Could you reflect uh, for our audience? Yeah, that was like uh, many years ago, and I think it was beginning of the of the noughties, like of 2000, something like that. Might even have been 1999 with my first company that I founded, and we were doing a lot of uh, homeware stuff and furniture, and uh, so we had a project going on with porcelain, and it was so complicated that uh, we needed to find a way um, in, in making the prototypes fast. And so we wanted to have perfect circular uh, molecular looking um, bowls and it was impossible. So it was the first contact that I actually started working with stereolithography and we were uh, basically able to, to have a lot of prototypes done uh, in parallel and very fast. And so the process was possible at all. And so for me, that was the first contact. But uh, back in that time, it wasn't it wasn't something that was made for going into production or making a real product out of it. It was really something like rapid prototyping. And so I love it. And since ever since then, I, I never lost contact to this technology. But over the last years, it has become one of the, the main means of doing stuff in, in the design world. Yes. Yeah, so it's a change. Since we got to meet each other um, I think it was seven, eight years ago during Silmo, right? Yeah, something like that. It's like it's it's been ages, and uh, that was a that was the start of a, a very very interesting journey. As we both know, we have been working together in in many projects now. Fabian, that's we met. I think it was 2014. How do you how do you see this world of 3D printing of eyewear evolve since then? with materials, um, with the technology, with everything that has become possible in, 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 in even by the brands. I mean, when I remember 
eyeglasses was just starting at materialize so probably the machines weren't as calibrated and perfected as they are now and uh, what i can say it's had it has been a rapid uh, um, change and I'm, I'm i'm glad that i have been invited to be part of that because i remember that in the beginning i was in leuven quite often and then we had discussions and we had workshops and and i enjoy that because uh, it gives me um, a, a chance as a designer to be part of an emerging technology and and that means that i'm not only a client and we can actually talk to you guys and that is a very unusual thing Fabian, I know that during the, 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 the past uh, years, we've talked a lot about what 3D printing enables, and we've talked specifically about this topic of design freedom and what that means and what um, that entails uh, for a designer. One of the things that you've been always reflecting about is that freedom of design for a designer can be um, freedom of thinking. It can set your thinking free. Could you elaborate for our audience that might be interested in that? If you're working in eyewear for a while, you you realize that a lot of tooling is needed and that the classic production means means of making glasses, um, that means that you you have limitations. So you, you cannot do everything. It's It's just because most of the methods are completely subtractive meaning that you have a block of material where you just mill the, 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 the not needed material away. You have um, problems with accessing certain areas with a tool. So when you start working with 3D uh, in the 3D world, I mean, you are free. You are basically, you can walk around in your design because you can just zoom in, you can go into detail. I think one one possibility is freedom of design to to see it from a standpoint of of uh, making a pretty design. So you can actually uh, you can add um, little patterns or s stuff like that. But personally, I'm not interested in that. What I think is interesting is that you can go into a more uh, engineer based thinking. So you can actually design stuff that couldn't be done otherwise. And that is the one thing that makes it so interesting because that for me is as a designer and also for my colleague, uh, Kurt, that that's the, the complete freedom of design. So uh, for us, we always come from a, from a standpoint being of, of being engineers and, and we really um, want to know how things work. And then when you have found out how the whole material reacts and, and if you have the properties nailed down, yeah. then the freedom begins. You know, one of the challenges that I hear uh, from designers and engineers uh, often face when they want to start with 3D printing is that they actually want to hold on to what they know already from the traditional materials or technologies that, that they have available uh, at their disposal. Um, and and that's tempting, obviously, to to try to think like that. That is a little bit in contradiction with what you mention as what is the freedom of thinking. Um, what do you think about that? And 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 what would your advice be to to the designers that that want to get started with three D print? Well, it's understandable because you are used to how how you do a, a pair of glasses, let's say in acetate or even like in metal. And when you're a good designer, you have done that for years. So basically, you know your comfort zone. So you can design whatever you want because you know in the back of your head already, ah, it works like this and I have to think about that. And well, uh, if it comes to the manufacturer, I have to talk to them about that. And uh, 
this is this is basically understandable but it doesn't work that way so when you see the first designs of of uh, companies that actually start doing 3d it's very close to the to the 2d world but the feeling um although it was made in the 3d process is still like it could be something that you easily could do in a in a 2d process so what you really have to wrap your mind around is that uh, you have to be very clear um, I don't have the limitations of just um, I'm diving into the material with a tool and then just mill something out. You can do different things. I mean, the thing is that you really uh, are completely free and that that is difficult because if you don't know in which direction you want to go because uh, pro probably like everything should be, is possible. Um, your mind can go rampant. I cannot give advice on, on how to like actually tackle the thing, but forget about 2D. That is the one thing. Like in 3D, you actually really have to move in the 3D world. You just have to be familiar with moving in space and you have to have a feeling for, for um, yeah, the scale because, uh, well, everybody knows that on a computer, you just can zoom in indefinitely. So the one thing is that I would say is, get as much information about the material, what it can do, the tolerances and the material properties and everything, and then start doing something that you would never have dreamt of in doing in 2D. But that I is, I cannot, Fabian, I cannot like enforce it enough. It's it's a completely different world. I think Fabian, every, every journey is a little bit different. And you know what I've been putting an emphasis on all the time that we know each other, that Every brand must look at their own DNA and try to make the most out of it to be able to reflect. Can you explain a little bit about your journey in, in working with even different materials with, uh, within the 3D printing realm, trying to combine different things? It's, 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 a, it's a search that you did as well and, and give people some insight into that search. It, 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 it went sometimes uh, the wrong way and you found your journey uh, again. <laughs> well, you know, we, we've both been there and we tried right in the beginning, and I think it must have started five years ago, we tried to combine printed polyamide with printed titanium. And uh, so that was my journey because uh, that is the question of freedom of design. And I thought you could do everything. And what we did, and I'm quite open about that, we printed screws. And that is like really something that I think nobody has tried because we were we were talking about the, the, the tolerances and everything. And uh, well, we, it, we did succeed in some way, I must say. <laughs> But in the end, we realized that some some things maybe back then, and I say like five years ago, weren't where they are now. Uh, so this was, uh, a, um, yeah, I was deviating from the from the path a little bit, and I was trying out other materials. But again, now with the knowledge that I have, that you can also work with metals that can be printed. Now that I know how to treat these metals afterwards and what has to be taken into account. Um, I might even think about doing something again in, in, in that in that direction. But um, you know what I would give as an advice to other people who start doing that is that you have to be prepared that it doesn't work immediately because it's not that the technology is not safe or it doesn't work at all. It's just the thing you get used to the material, you get used to the process of designing the whole stuff. Although the, the, the it's not like a, um, a prototyping anymore. But the, the good thing is you can have prototypes pretty fast and you should should do that you should try out and and go like several steps and 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 really get a get a feeling
feeling for it, even go for different surfaces or coloring, whatever. So this is all accelerating the whole process. And that's like really interesting to do so and take your time. And if you're like working for a big company and they go like, so yeah, I've heard it's, it's going to be like 3D printing is going to be like totally radical and we want that too. So can we have results like in, in three weeks time? Probably you could have results in three weeks time if, if all the 3D data are, are, are okay. But the problem is um, you don't know what it is and and then you, you said you had a point um before where you said it, it's also very important to have the um to keep the dna of a brand in in your mind so when you go go start with a new technology and a new material and everything is completely new you also have to find out if it's if it's still part of your company i don't know so take isn't your time that, isn't and, that beautiful yeah? it's just part of i mean part of that trying out in the beginning is part of that learning journey that you want to embark on. You want to learn how you can mix and match different things that you have available for you to be able to reflect that, that DNA of your brand, right? That is the truth and, and you should take that time. But I, could, um, I, could, I couldn't be more enthusiastic about it because it has given us so many chances that we didn't have before. What I can say, that's also very interesting. It's not all about the, the production, but it's also about um, the whole process. So maybe you don't need these uh, super high MOQs that normally would be needed in 2D uh, produced stuff because you have to make sure that the tooling is is somehow financed and, and all this is not needed in 3D. So first of all, you can have uh, fast results. Uh, you can try out uh, whatever you want until you have something in your hands that you really like, and then you can be sure that will be the end product. So um, also, if you want to make that a capsule collection in the beginning, so let's say a company has never worked with 3D stuff and the designer has a good idea. So start with something that is, is very small and sexy, but perfect. And that could be a start. And then the company can have the feel of if it really uh, is, is exactly what they're looking for. I fully agree with I, that. I mean, you, 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 you need to uh, start small, get to learn new things. But um, can't you agree with me? I think uh, um, you, but also others, have collaborated with us during the past years. And you have definitely uh, challenged us as well in that journey oh, yeah. so it has been as much of a learning experience for us at materialize as it has been for you guys and i think we're super grateful for all of that collaboration because uh, the innovation that 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 is a result of that has been uh, tremendous and and wonderful uh, that the result uh, is is the products that people can witness yeah, but the thing is, like, if you give uh, designers or clients the chance to be part of this whole thing, and that I know that you started that so many years ago, that was the co-creation process. And that's also like I tackle architecture. So I never uh, go to a, a client and tell him what he needs because that's arrogant. I mean, the client wants to have a nice place. The client has needs in how uh, they want to set up the whole building. So you have to listen closely and you have to find out what your client wants. And then you start going, and that's very, very um, um, similar to, to what we're doing here with the eyewear and with Materialize. And then you just go on a journey together. You find out what is needed. And then basically you can enable these people, your client, uh, to, to actually get what they want. And this co-creation process is really interesting. 
I mean, it's it's just like um, I, I had this discussion with a friend of another brand, and he's also a designer and a very good designer. And he was saying, like, basically, it's a deal with the devil, because we're just giving you um, val uh, like really valid information, but. On the other hand side, that's very good because we get exactly what we want. So if we're not telling you what we want, giving away information, then we are not getting what we want. So this is a trust thing and this is like a, a partnership thing. So I'm not calling like materialize and say, I need that. Uh, it's basically just every time we do something new, we find out how we can do it. And then we talk to the diff different departments and that means coloring. That means like surface treatment. I think that would be interesting for our listeners uh, to understand. Um, you've obviously come uh, a long journey, but you have Neon Berlin as your own brand together with your colleague. And uh, can you describe to our audience, you know, when 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 an idea sparks in your head, what 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 do you go what do you go about? Yeah, I mean, you know, as a designer, and I, I, I also can speak for my colleague Kurt there, because we are a design team and we do the most of the stuff together. Um, the thing is that we always think about a story, and that's very interesting. So for me, it's boring to say, uh, let's make some 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 nice panto styles. So that would not be the way how I start a project. So I have always a story in mind. It could be something from science fiction. It could be something with Chacousteau, like like a submarine story. And then in that process, we just um, find out how the whole collection is supposed to look. So what do we want to achieve? What we want to do? And then this kicks in, okay? And then we have the freedom to design whatever we want and we can go rampant. It's it's basically whatever we imagine uh, comes to life. So uh, this is a very interesting thing. You just start with a story, you have a collection in front of you, and then you just, uh, yeah, and then you just jump. And that is one of the rabbit holes that you go down. That is truly being a digital artisan, you know, creating that story, because what you want to create is is, is beauty. Um, and that is an emotional response that you can uh, uh, enable uh, with the people that will use that product. And, and that requires something uh, that is called digital artisanship, uh, which we call, you know, you can pick and mix the right materials like you do in Neon Berlin. Um, can you elaborate on that a little bit? This is exactly what we're doing. We, we see each other as engineers, as designers, even as architects, but at the same time, there is art to it. And the emotional aspect is very important. So you are basically creating a product that is for the customer and they want to have a feeling when they wear it because they need to connect. At the same time, you also have to have the functionality in So what we did is, I mean, some people might know from the past, I founded a, um, a titanium company in 2012 with two um, investors. And uh, so I was actually working with uh, metal glasses uh, for quite a long time, for several years. And we really tried to reinvent this product. And so when I started the, the new company, then it was absolutely off the table that we could do something in metal. You, you can understand that because then people would have gone, OK, he's just uh, going back to the past. He's copying himself. They just have no ideas. But I like the idea, what I have learned with the, with the metal glasses, with the rim glasses, uh, that you have to think different. If you have a pair of acetate glasses, you just have a slap of plastic and you cut out the eye holes, you cut out the outer shape, and then you have a pair of glasses. I mean, there is a lot of more um, steps needed to, to make that glasses, but that's basically just roughened up. And so 
what uh, makes that uh, um, so interesting is you have always an outside and an inside uh, shape and you can play with that. So that is very typical for horn, wood or acidic glasses. If you have metal glasses, if they're not cut out of any, any other material, uh, metal slab, then basically you just have a wire. And what happens is that the design must be more focused and more centered on the lens. And that's very interesting because you don't have anything that you can add to the glasses or you don't have any material left where you can, yeah, you can design. You just have the shape of the glasses and then you have a wire, which is just accompanying the glasses. It's just wrapped around it. And so this is what we did when we started doing uh, the first collection for Neon Berlin, the bestiary collection. We thought about uh, designing something like wireframes. And so what happened is we had to come up with uh, algorithm with tools that are completely different. So in, in our world, we are not just actually projecting something and then and, and then subtracting it. Um, it's basically we the first step that we do is we we just walk around in 3D space. And uh, that's very interesting. And in our designs, they don't even look like designs. We just have the lens shapes, almost like an optician. And then basically our algorithm, our tool knows exactly what we want to do. And this workflow is extremely interesting and it's extremely powerful. And I think it is also, um, it's also very, very important for the design product in the end. So it, it, you can see it is basically metal look alike glasses but they are not so so you just and, uh, you just gave wonderful insights about that design process right taking it one step uh further i think when you started to realize how our technology works and where the limitations of 3d printing is and what the possibilities and uh, limitations of the coloring and post-processing pro uh, are um, you really started to 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 co-create that collection in in a way that it would make sense in the in the end product, right? Yeah, it would because coming from an idea that was a 2D technology, um, also I I did have my own ideas how it was supposed to look, and then that is something that goes back to the beginning of our conversation. Um, I realized the, the, the product looks different and there are some limitations. And when I say limitations, it's not like as in terms you can't do it, you just have to do it differently or you have to accept some stuff that is connected to the material. And now that I come to think of, that's also a very important thing that designers need to, to know. These processes in the material, they have properties and you should work with the properties and not against it. So basically don't try to do something that the material doesn't want you to do. You wouldn't do that with acetate, you wouldn't do that with wood. And some of the properties, they just come with the material. And uh, so one thing is that we should be quite open about is that the material has a surface structure. And I know there are processes that can make that look very smooth. And the coloring has become so major in the, mature in the last years that that's really amazing what happened there on this front. But I think as a designer, you should stay true to your product. That's at Neon Berlin, we do that. So we really, we, we keep it as raw as, as possible. We show how it is done and that is part of our product. And so now I'm, I'm closing the circle. Uh, what started as metal glasses, like wireframe glasses, has become something completely different. The only thing that is similar is the, like the, the extreme thinness of the, of the material. And that, again, is freedom of design because when you know how the material can be reinforced and what to do to, to uh, um, make that um, as thin as possible without 
it being too flexible or or like bending it. Um, that's really interesting. So we start from from one point and we want to have metal glasses imprinted. We don't get that and we don't want it anymore. And then we have something else which is much more beautiful. Yeah. And I think that is again the thing of the journey. You have to be prepared to 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 embark on that journey. Fabian, I'd like to thank you very much for joining us in this session. I want to also thank you for the journey that uh, you have followed together with us. I want to ask you a last question. Um, how do you see the future of 3D printing for eyewear designers? Yeah, I would say it's a bright future um, because the materials are getting better. Now that especially Materialize has uh, an own department which is only geared to making eyewear. You start talking to the designers, you listen to what they want, what they need, and that basically is transformed into uh, a completely new kind of workshop that you're offering to the people. So I would say the more people are starting working with you and the more people are embarking on that journey and, and experiencing the freedom in design, the, the more we can accelerate the whole thing. What I think is very important, and that's probably a last thing for me, and a lot of people are, are understanding that too, is uh, the environmental impact on the whole thing. So not having to produce a lot of excess material or not basically throwing away 70, 80, 90 percent of the material like you do in 2D um, um, processes. That's very interesting. And then there come new materials that might come from a completely different source. So. Maybe in the future we are working on with materials which are not uh, mineral oil based anymore, but they could be plant based. I mean, I know that it already starts and I think that is going to be a very interesting in direction. Coloring is, is a topic that will change as well. So I can just say what I have seen in the last five or six years that was so fast and it was like so fundamental that uh, I'm absolutely sure that in five years time when we have another talk, we will be astounded, both of us, what is possible now. I like that. Okay, Fabian, I'm looking forward to that conversation in five years then. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me. It was a pleasure. And I wish you a nice day. Bye-bye, guys. Thanks to our listeners. If today's topic has got you thinking, we've produced an accompanying guide exploring the design benefits of 3D printing available on www.materialize.com slash eyewear. Till next time.